One of the things that I've loved about this fellowship for so many years, we've had a number of couples coming to church together. And I believe it's so important for husbands and wives to not only share in the faith and the love of Jesus Christ, but to pass on those things to their children. It is something that our world needs to see displayed before them today. They need mentors for those of us who are getting older. Younger couples need mentors in faith that we can be for others. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 1 through 16 this morning. I titled this Singleness, Marriage, and Divorce. He covers a couple of other topics in here as well. Talks about widows. We have to assume widowers. He didn't mention them, but uh, talking about the unmarried. And so an interesting topic. I feel like it's marriage class 101 this morning. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not the most comfortable speaking on these topics, but... This is where the Lord has brought us in our text today, I think is definitely something that needs to be addressed in our churches and in our world. Well, up to this point, Paul has addressed certain issues in the church of Corinth that had been reported to him, whether these reports came by letter or were delivered in person. The Corinthian believers, though rich in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they were a contentious church. We learned this back in chapter 1, verse 11, that says, For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there is contentions among you. And regrettably, they had divided over apostles, evangelists, preachers, and teachers instead of uniting under Christ. Many were walking in the compromised paths of men attempting to reach God through their own wisdom and understanding. Again, in chapter 5, Paul addressed a report concerning a sinning brother and the effects that the condoning of his sin within the church, they allowed it to take place, the effects that it had upon the church. In chapter 5, verse 1, Paul again says, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, 
that a man has his father's wife. And sadly, the church in Corinth had condoned sins which God had already condemned. Instead of being an inclusive fellowship that accepted a depravity that was not even named among the Gentiles, the Corinthians should have been mourning over their brother's fallen condition. And finally, we learn that though this epistle is called First Corinthians to us, that in chapter 5, verse 9, Paul said, I wrote to you in my epistle. He lets us know that there has been other letters that he had sent to them. And today we learn that they actually had sent a letter to him, at least one. And there were questions that they had. And he begins to deal with that in our text this morning here in chapter 7. And he continues to deal with questions that they asked today. It's a question that includes that of singleness, marriage, and divorce. So I titled it that, Singleness, Marriage, and Divorce, looking at 1 Corinthians 7, verses 1 through 16. In verses 1 and 2, we're going to see a general rule. Verses 3 through 9, affection and concession. And verses 10 through 16, to the married. Go ahead and read the first two verses, which is our first point, a general rule, and we'll open in prayer. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, Now concerning the things of which you wrote me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. And so, Father, we ask that you would be with us as we look into your word this morning and pray, Lord, that we would allow the teaching of your word to just impact our lives. Help us to hear, Lord, what the Spirit is saying to the church, this church, this day, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, he begins with a general rule. Paul, he doesn't repeat their inquiries. But we can discern that the question had to do with singleness, marriage, and divorce through the answer that we begin to look at here in verses 1 through 16. It continues as we go on through the chapter, but it's a rather long chapter, so we're going to break this one up a bit. But we find now concerning the things which you wrote me about. We already know that Paul had written to them previously And now they had written back, and now he's addressing those concerns. Paul believed that celibacy was the best policy. But he understood that this lifestyle was not for everyone. Jesus' disciples realized this after Jesus taught about marriage, divorce, and the dangers of sexual immorality. We find in Matthew 19, verses 10 through 12, the disciples said, If such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But Jesus said to them, All cannot accept the same, but only those whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb. And there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it Let him accept it. So Paul said, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And Jesus would have agreed, saying that there are basically three different types of eunuchs 
those who practice celibacy, they were either that way by birth, made that way by man, or had become that way for the kingdom of heaven's sake. And it appears that Paul lived as the latter, celibate for the kingdom of heaven's sake. But then he says in verse two, nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Paul's opinion is good for a man not to touch a woman. However, he understood that celibacy is not for everyone. And so he went on to teach because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. We've been going over the early chapters of Proverbs, which Solomon deals a little bit on sexuality there, especially that of those who would be deemed prostitutes in his day and age. And he's talking to his son. He's talking about marriage in chapter five, verses 15 through 20. It's interesting because we've been going over this with the uh, younger kids upstairs and they're reading the words. And sometimes I think as parents, we're thinking, I'm hoping they're not catching everything that Solomon's talking about here. He's going into some detail, but he used a poetic language to help kind of mask some of this. Solomon stressed the importance of staying faithful to one's wife there in Proverbs 5 verses 15 through 20. He referenced this in verse 15 saying that they should drink water from their own cistern. Thus Christian man is to drink in the love of his wife by giving his heart to her alone. And the same is true for a Christian woman. It is there in the marriage relationship that God has given a place to satisfy the intimacy that he designed between one man and one woman. Solomon used some pretty sensual words describing a husband's love toward his wife, that one might continually enjoy the wife of his youth, letting her breast satisfy him at all times, that you might be enraptured by her love always. And these same verses, we find that Solomon threads a warning against the adulterous woman that his son would not let his fountain be dispersed abroad in the many streams of water. You know, in our world today, playing the field is actually glamorized. Sexual relations with numerous women or men, whichever course you might take, it is celebrated by our world, but this lifestyle is not celebrated with God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 13, 4, that the marriage is honorable among all and the bed is undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. So in a world that is filled with depravity, God has given marriage a place of honor. We next read in verses three through nine, I titled this section, Affection and concession. I'll go ahead and read the context for us and then we'll get into the breakdown of these verses. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of lack of self-control. But I say this as a concession, not as a commandment, for I wish that all men were even as I myself. But each one 
has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I, but if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Back to the marriage 101. Marriage is the first institute that God gave to mankind. It is God who declared, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. That's found in Genesis 2:24. Jesus enforced this truth by adding in Matthew 19:6, therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. Both Paul and Peter picked up on the importance of marriage and family by addressing the roles of husbands and wives and children in their epistles of 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Timothy, and 1 Peter. Moreover, Paul compared the importance of a good family balance to that of Christ and the church, writing in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So recognizing our God-given roles, well, it actually helps us to maintain a balanced life. When Jesus was asked about the issue of divorce, whether it was lawful according to God's word, he replied, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man should Leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. That's found in Matthew 19, verses 3 through 6. Now, we often think of the term one flesh as a couple consummating their marriage. But I believe that is much deeper than merely that of the marriage vows or the consummation of that marriage. I believe the becoming of one flesh refers to not only the consummation of the marriage, but that of the forsaking of our individual rights to focus upon the needs of another. It is not, how can my wife serve me, men? It's how can I serve my wife and vice versa? We are to render the affection due, verses three through four. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. And then he goes on to talk about the authority, that the wife doesn't have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And then he adds, which was probably radical thinking in their day and age, that the husband also doesn't have authority over his body, but the wife does. We know a lot of the thought from the Middle East would be that man has authority over women, period. But here Paul said that it's a shared unity, and it goes both ways. Paul writes about the beauty of sexual intimacy. I can't even say it. I told you this is a hard one for me. (laughs) He writes about the beauty of sexual intimacy between a husband and a wife. When this shared intimacy is at its best, there is a mutual giving and receiving of one another's love. And perhaps this is best expressed in the Song of Solomon. This is the song that the Hebrews said that until you're 30 years old, you shouldn't be reading this. But there in the Song of Solomon, we find two lovers are 
stirred by the sight, the sound, the smell, the touch of one another. And they describe their feelings by using several comparative metaphors. Most importantly, they learn to rest securely in their love. And perhaps this is beautifully expressed by Solomon's Shulamite lover who declared, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. It goes on to say in verse 5, Do not deprive one another except with consent. Do not deprive except with consent for a time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer. Many in the world, when they think about the word consent, in our world today, it's usually granting permission for sexual relations, and it often has nothing to do with the marriage relationship. Yet Paul connects this word in a married couple's relationship, the word consent, to that of an agreed-upon separation of intimacy that they might give themselves over to fasting and prayer. The purpose for restricting sexual intimacy here for fasting and prayer. Fasting is a time of starving your flesh in order to feed the spirit. And although fasting can be difficult, I think it's a great spiritual discipline when combined with prayer and the right heart attitude. Jesus talked about that as well. And especially that right heart attitude that we're not to gloat or to celebrate that we fast as many do, but the fasting times between us and the Lord alone. After Jesus had returned from the mountain of transfiguration, he discovered that his disciples were unable to cast out a demon that had been tormenting a young boy. After Jesus cast out the demon, later on that evening, his disciples were still troubled about the events of the day, and they came to him and asked, why couldn't we cast out the demon? They might have even said, we've done it before, but why not this time? What's the difference? And Jesus responded in Mark 9, 29. He said, this kind can only come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now, this poses a few questions. When Jesus said this kind, speaking of the demonic spirit, was he just speaking about demonic spirits in general, this kind, these types of demonic spirits? But personally, I believe that perhaps this demon was more powerful than any that the other apostles have faced before. And this kind, this powerful demonic force, was one that was more powerful than the disciples had ever faced. It can only come out by prayer and fasting. Literally, this could be read is not able to come out by anything except prayer and fasting. That the method was through prayer and fasting. And the disciples had failed because they were not exercising the disciplines of prayer and fasting. I wonder how many times, how many battles are lost in our own lives because we lack in these same spiritual disciplines. There will be times when a husband and wife will consensually deprive one another of sexual intimacy. At times it may be due to location. Those in the military are a great example of this or those who travel for business or missionaries or perhaps those who go on short-term missionary trips. At other times it might be due to illness. Yet Paul connects consent to a married couple's abstinence. Now I said it wrong. Uh, being separate from one another 
in order to give themselves over to fasting and prayer. David, when talking about his enemies, I think this is a great example. He was talking about all the, that the enemies did against him. And then he said in Psalm 35, 13, in connection with fasting and prayer, but as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting and my prayer would not return to my own heart. David understood the method of prayer and fasting. Jesus understood the importance of prayer and fasting. And the disciples learned this great lesson as well. I think it's a lesson that we should learn as well. Paul makes reference to that here. A time of starving the flesh, not only of physical food, but of sexual intimacy that we might feed the spirit and draw closer to God. And then he talks about concession beginning in verse 6. But I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. Now, Paul was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But he takes a moment to give his personal view here concerning singleness and marriage. There is a long-standing debate in church history of whether Paul had ever been married or not. Some say that he had never been married, and they used this portion of scripture to argue that point. Others say because he was a Pharisee, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, that marriage and fatherhood were requirements of being a Pharisee. So he had to be, have been in the past at least married. All we know for sure, when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, he wasn't married, nor did he plan to be in the future. Whether he had a wife in the past we can't say that for sure. Whether she had passed away and he was actually a widower at this point, possible. Or maybe he even speaks about separation in this passages that if you have a wife, we'll get to that in a moment, who's not a believer and she departs from you and then you are not held to that. Well, we'll get to that in a moment, but that could have been a situation for Paul. We just don't have enough information in the Bible to tell us. What we do know when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he was not married, nor did he plan to be so in the future. He believed, as I said before, for Paul, celibacy was the best policy. Paul said in verse 7, For I wish that all men were even as I myself, but each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Although Paul believed personally celibacy, the best policy, he recognized it's not for everyone. Jesus said in Matthew nineteen twelve, remember, some have made themselves eunuchs, for the kingdom of heaven's sake. Others might also say, we have made ourselves married for the kingdom of heaven's sake. I believe that marriage is a, just such an important thing. One of the things that I've loved about this fellowship for so many years, and I know we're a smaller church than we've been in the past, but we've had a number of couples coming to church together. And I believe it's so important for husbands and wives to not only share in the faith and the love of Jesus Christ, but to pass on those things to their children. 
It is something that our world needs to see displayed before them today. They need mentors for those of us who are getting older. Younger couples need mentors in faith that we can be for others. Paul would say in verse 17, we'll get into this in our next study, but here in chapter 7, verse 17, but as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, let him so walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. If you, what he is saying there, if you are single, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, he would encourage you to remain so. But again, he's, he realized that if marriage is uh, in your future, then get married, he would say. But also, if you're married, well, don't become divorced or separated, but remain so. In whatever way the Lord has called you, let him walk in such. I believe when marriage is at its best, again, it is the self-sacrifice of a husband toward his wife and the wife toward the husband. So recognizing our God-given roles helps us to live balanced lives. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Oh,